Aren't you glad that our God is that way? Amen. That when we do stupid stuff, he's just ready for us to come back. Amen. Ready for us to get right and follow him. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn the book of Mark. Mark chapter number five. When you find Mark chapter five, if you're able to stand easily, would you stand with me as we read the word of God? Mark chapter number five. Thank you for being in church on Sunday morning. Uh, There's no place I'd rather be on Sunday morning than in church. Amen. Mark chapter number five. I'll begin reading in verse number one. It says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of that country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they begin to pray him to depart out of their coasts. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Dear Jesus, please go away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here this morning in your house. Lord, thank you that we can sing and rejoice and fellowship. But God, we are, we are so pleased and glad of the privilege to open your word and know that you have something to say to us and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today. God, if there's somebody here today who doesn't know Christ as Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave that way, but that today might be the day of salvation. We'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is preaching to a multitude of people on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And when it gets down to the end of the day and the the sun starts to go down, he says to the disciples, get the boat, we're going to go to the other side. And so they get the boat together and, and they get on the boat and Jesus finds a comfortable place in the boat and goes to sleep. And they head out across the Sea of Galilee that night. And as they're out there in the sea, the wind starts to come up and the waves start to come up and things start to get rough. And and these men realize that they are in serious trouble. Now, uh, these many of these men are commercial fishermen, if you will. 
They spent their life out on the Sea of Galilee. That's where they make their livelihood. They know when a storm is just going to pass, and they know when it's a bad storm, and this is a bad storm. As a matter of fact, (coughs) it's so severe that these seasoned fishermen realize the ship is going down. They're taking on water, and they're going to die. And so as they're, as they're fighting to keep the ship upright and keep the water out of the boat, somebody said, why don't we wake Jesus up? <laughs> He's still asleep. And so they went and they woke him up, and he came up on the, on the boat, and Jesus did what Jesus does in a storm. When you find Jesus in the middle of a storm in the New Testament, he does pretty much the same thing. He says, peace be still, the storm just stops. I mean, just like that. And then he rebuked them for their lack of faith. Now, by that time, the storm is over now, the sun is coming up, and they are reaching the other side where they intended to go. But after a night like that, listen, they've had no rest, they've had no sleep, they've been up all night long fighting the storm and bailing water and trying to keep everything together. The adrenaline has been pumping, they've been at a high level of energy and excitement. Now the storm is done, the sun is out, and there's that... I mean, you just crash after you've had all that excitement all night long and the adrenaline's been pumping. Now, all of a sudden, it's just you're just wiped out, exhausted, ready to rest. And they probably think when we get to the other side, we'll we'll pull up. People will come to hear Jesus. We can sit down under a tree. We can lay in the boat. We can rest. We can get our energy built back up and it'll be a wonderful day. And then they get to the other side and they get off the boat. And they realize now that someone else has been watching all of this unfold. It's this man who lives up on the hillside in the tombs. And the Bible tells us that this man, he's a a mess. He's possessed with devils. And he's stripped off all of his clothes. And he runs through town. The first time he did it, they, they chained him up. And then he broke the chains. And they realize something's not right here. And the next time he stripped off his clothes and ran through town, uh, they chained him up and then they put shackles on his arms and they put shackles on his legs and he just ripped them off. And then they realized they've got a bigger problem here than they know how to deal with. And, and now when he runs through the town and he's got all of his clothes stripped off and he's screaming and breaking things and hurting people, all you can do is go lock yourself in your house and hide. And then he moved up on the hillside and he's living in the tombs and he's been cutting himself with stones and he's covered in scars and blood and his hair is sticking out and it's all matted and nasty and, and his beard is all nasty and, and he's just a horrible sight. He's got a chain hanging from this leg and a shackle hanging from this arm and that man up there in that tombs. Listen, you don't get there overnight. You don't end up in the tombs, naked, cutting yourself, screaming all night long, full of devils overnight. You don't just leave work one day and then end up like that. This is the culmination of a life that has been lived in opposition to God for a long, long time. And he's made wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision. And each time the devil gets a little more of his life until now, he's got nothing left. His family is gone, his career is gone, his reputation is gone, his community is gone. He is all alone and he screams all night long up on that hillside. That man saw the boat pull up to the shore. And he had the first clear-minded thought that he had had in years. And he thought, I think that man can help me. 
I don't know if he saw the storm just miraculously stop. He may have, because it would have been just as stormy on his side, and all of a sudden it just stops and the sun comes out. He may have realized something's unusual, but he said, I think that man can help me. And now he's running down the hillside. Can you imagine? The disciples are out of the boat. They're looking for a place to rest. And now here comes this naked man, here out to here, a chain over here and a shackle over there. He's covered in scars and blood and filth, and he's probably screaming as he's running down the mountainside, and he's headed right at them, and now they've realized, we're not going to get any rest. This is not going to be a nice day. And now, don't ever forget, the people in the Bible are not different than people now. They just lived at a different time, that's all. But they thought like we think, and they felt like we feel, and they had the same kind of emotions. And now, if any of you guys, if you were, if you were one of the disciples, you've got Jesus with you. This guy is running down the hill screaming at you. The first thing you would do is assume a defensive posture, right? I mean, you're not going to let him tackle Jesus. And so you're going to get in front of Jesus and you're going to stop him. And John probably has a stick in his hand and Peter's got a big rock and James is going to trip him and Matthew's going to tackle him. And they've got a plan. When he gets down here, he's not getting Jesus. And then somewhere along the line, Miss Mona, I hope we get to watch the replay when we get to heaven. Because there's a lot of stuff we don't we don't know just from the from the narrative. I mean, it's just a pretty general narrative. But somewhere along the line, Jesus must have said to them, let him through. Because he comes right to Jesus. And that's not natural. They would have stopped him. But Jesus must have said, just move aside, let him through. You know, Jesus did that before. You remember when the little children were all over him and they were crawling up on him and the disciples were going to chase him all away. And what did Jesus say? Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. He's done this before where he said, just leave them alone, let them come. And I suspect he said to the disciples, step aside, let him come. Listen, John's still got his stick. He's moved aside, but he's got his stick. Peter's still got his rock. James is still ready to trip him and, and tackle him. And, and, and they're watching close, but Jesus said move. So they moved. And here he comes, boom, and he lands right at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, Jesus knows what's wrong. He knows it's devils. And he says, come out. And then he says, what's your name? And they said, our name is Legion, for we are many. And they are many. Listen, when they come out, they go into a herd of 2,000 pigs. It would not be a stretch to imagine there's a couple thousand devils in this man. And he is a mess. And then a strange thing begins to happen in this passage. It's a weird passage of Scripture because the devils are talking to Jesus. They're going back and forth. They're having a conversation. He asked their name. They told him their name. And then they said, we would like to stay in this country. You've told us to come out. We know we're going to come out. We'd like to stay in this country. Is that not weird? That's weird. Do you suppose there are some places where the devil just likes to be? Maybe places where he has a little more freedom. Places where he has a little more control and he can do what he wants to do. This is evidently one of those places because they said, we would like to stay in this country. And Jesus doesn't argue with them at all. And then they said, there's a herd of swine over there. Can we go into the swine? You've told us to come out. We're going to have to come out. Can we go into the swine? And your Bible says Jesus gave them leave. In other words, he said to those devils, yes, you may. You can come out of this man 
You can go into those pigs, and that's exactly what they do. They come out of the man, they go into the pigs, and then the pigs immediately just go nuts and run down the hill, jump off the cliff, and drown in the Sea of Galilee. Again, is that not strange? Just think about it. I mean, they asked to go into the pigs. Jesus let them go into the pigs, and so they immediately killed the pigs. But when you think about it some, you realize all that the devil really can do is kill and destroy. It's what he does. He doesn't make anything better. He doesn't improve anything. He ruins things and he kills things. He destroys things. That's what he does. And he's already, he's destroyed this man's life, taken everything that he has except his life. I mean, everything else is gone. So as soon as they come out of the man, they go into the pigs. But really, if you think about it, it's kind of hard to ruin a pig's life. I mean, he lives in slop. What do you do to ruin a pig's life? You, you make him leave the sow or kick his piglets or what? How do you ruin a pig's life? It's just difficult. About your only, only option left is to kill him, right? So that's what they do. They just kill them. Boom. Because that's what the devil does. And all of a sudden, here's this man down here. He's got clothes on now. He's in his right mind. He's talking intelligently. He's talking to the Savior. And the guys who were up there herding the pigs said, there's trouble going on. And they run into town. They said, hey, all the pigs are dead. And the crazy guy, he's down there. He's talking to Jesus. And he looks normal now and all is well. You better come out here and see what's going on. And the townspeople come running. And at that moment, does it not make sense? that they would at the very least have said to Jesus, thank you for solving that man's problem. Amen. I mean, this guy's been a terror in this town for who knows how long, and he's terrified everybody, and he's done awful things, and thank you for fixing that. Wouldn't it be logical they would at least say that? They don't. Maybe, maybe it would be logical to think not only would they say thank you for fixing his problem, but, you know, at this point in, in Jesus' ministry, Everywhere he went, they, they brought sick people to him so that he could heal them. They, came with, they were flocking by the multitudes. It would make sense that these people have at least heard of Jesus. And they might have said, thank you for fixing that. And uh, if you'll just stay here for a little while, we've got some sick people back in town that we want to bring to you. And can you teach us for a little while? That would have been perfectly normal. And they didn't do that. Instead, you know what they did? They said, we want you to go away. You need to leave now. Not thank you for that. Not we have some more people who need help. Just you need to leave now. Go away. And can I tell you, it's dangerous to tell Jesus to go away. Because you know what he does? He doesn't argue with them. He doesn't say, oh, no, no, I should stay. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say another word to the crowd. You know what he does? He gets in the boat. And he goes away. It's dangerous to tell Jesus to go away because he might just go away. If you, you tell him to leave you alone long enough, he might just leave you alone. And you don't want that to happen. That's a tragedy when that happens. And they said, just go away. And so he left. And you look at it and you wonder, why would they do such a thing? I submit to you this morning, the same reason they told him to go away is why people still tell him to go away today. And they do. They still do. First of all, they told him to go away because he reminded them of their sin. People don't like to be reminded of their sin. 
You see, when Jesus showed up, he dealt with the sin issue and took care of that. And people don't like to think that their problems are the result of sin. They had gotten used to the crazy guy who lived in the tombs and screamed all night. Listen, the first time he ran through town naked, it was a scandal and it was scary. And the second time it was bad. And when he broke the chains, it was horrible. And, and he broke stuff and he scared people and he hurt people. And, and, and they just got to the point where when he's running through town screaming, you just go inside and shut the door. And then the first night he was up on the hillside screaming all night long. I promise you that was a scary night. When there's somebody, you can hear somebody screaming all night long, that, that's not a restful night. And the kids are afraid, and they got the doors locked, and Dad's sitting there with a, uh, with a baseball bat by the door, afraid somebody's going to break in, and they don't know if, if somebody's killing him or he's killing somebody. And the second night, it goes on and on. And the first couple of weeks, it's terrifying. But you know what happens when you live next to the train tracks? You don't hear the trains anymore. And when there's a guy screaming every night, all night long, after a while, you don't hear that anymore either. It just becomes the normal background noise. And they just got used to the crazy guy who lives in the tombs and screams all night. And we just don't go up there. And if he runs through town, we lock the doors. And that's, that's just the way it is. There were probably some people who said, now, you know, that's, that's just the way he is. He's made some choices in life. Those are the choices he made, and everybody makes choices, and your choices are no better than anybody else's, and just leave him alone. There were probably folks who said, well, he was born that way, and now he's just expressing himself, so he has the right to express himself, and just leave him alone. There were others who probably said, you know, the problem was his family. He grew up in a family, and his father was uh, overbearing, and his mother was, uh, was strong, and, and, and he was, you know, he just never got his own way, and... and and he just snapped one day. Or, or, listen, he was the oldest in the family, and all the responsibility fell on him, and it was too much. And one day he just couldn't take it anymore. And that's why he's up on the hillside naked, screaming all night. Or, or listen, he, maybe he was the youngest, and he had to wear hand-me-down clothes, you know, and, and he had a rough life, and it was terrible, and his older brothers and sisters always got all the good stuff, and, and that's what made him go. Or even worse than that, he was in the middle. And he's just overlooked all the time. He's not even in the family pictures. He's just not there. And, and it just was too much for him. And, and he just snapped one day. And it's his family's fault. And it's society's fault. And it... Oh, it was when he was in the fourth grade, he got bullied. Somebody teased him about his shoes in the fourth grade. And that just warped his mind. And that's why he's up on that hillside. I promise you there were probably people who said that. And when Jesus showed up... Do you notice he didn't say anything about any of that? Listen, it all may have been true. But Jesus didn't say anything about that. Now listen closely to what I'm about to say. Jesus didn't come to fix your emotional problems and your family situation. He came to save you from your sin. And Jesus said the problem here is sin. The devil is here. And he's going to kick the devil out. Amen. You get rid of the sin problem, and then we can start working on the other stuff. As you notice, Jesus didn't say, put some clothes on him and I'll talk to him. Because naked wasn't the problem. The devil was the problem. He got the devil out. What happened? Got clothes on. 
The problem wasn't that he was crazy. The problem was the devil was there. And when the devil's gone, what's happened? Suddenly he's in his right mind. Jesus didn't come for all that stuff. He came to fix the sin problem. And when you get the sin problem fixed, other stuff tends to fall together. They didn't want to admit the problem was sin. Because if his problem is sin, maybe my problem is sin. It's better just not to think about it. Brother Creed, we had a thing when I was growing up that they don't have anymore. Fortunately, they fixed the problem. We used to have a drunk down the road. I mean, just a dirty, nasty, stumbling, falling down drunk. We don't have those anymore. Now we have people with substance issues. Because that sounds nicer. And when somebody's just an old drunk, everybody knows whose fault that is. Amen? It's the old drunk's fault. He's a sinner. He's an old drunk and he's a sinner and he needs Jesus. If you just got a substance issue, well, that's probably somebody else's fault. I'm smiling at you because you can't get mad at me. I smile at you. And people don't like to admit that their problem is sin. But if you don't admit it's sin, you don't get the problem fixed. It does not get fixed. You've got to come to the place where you say, okay, it's my sin that got me here. It's my sin that started all this. Lord, I need help with my sin. I have good news for you. Jesus came and died for your sin. He did. And he can fix that. And he'll fix it just like that. We're so messed up today, we don't even know if there's a difference between male and female. And we're told that there isn't, and and we're not supposed to say that there is, because it'll hurt somebody's feelings. Do you live stream? This may be your last one for a little while, because I'm about to tell the truth, amen. And that's a little more than some can handle. I'm not going to be ugly, but I'm going to tell you the truth. There are only two genders. Male and female. Uh, And I know the foolishness today is that, well, there are only two sexes, male and female, but there's 148 genders. No, they are the same thing. There's only two. Your Bible says, male and female created he them. You were born one of those. You were born one of those. Whatever, whichever one you were born is what you are and you will always be. You can't change that. It's not possible. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear. It doesn't matter how many hormones you take. It doesn't matter what you have cut off and sewn on. You are what you were born and you always will be. Always will be. Now, uh, was that delicate enough? <laughs> and, and after you're dead, a hundred years from now, if they dig up your body and they test a very simple test on your bones, you know what they'll know? They'll know what you were born. Because that's what you still are. Amen? Always and forever. That's what we call, ready now? Hang on. Science. Amen. Don't be a science denier. Amen? Amen. That's real live science is what that is. Now, if you were born one and you choose to live as the other, doesn't matter which way you want to go. If you were born female and you want to be male, or you were born male and you want to live as female, your problem, listen closely now, is that you are living in rebellion against what God made you. Amen. And that is called sin. That sin of rebellion is what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. It's the original sin. Amen. That's the beginning place of all of our issues is rebellion against God. And if you choose to live as the opposite of what God made you, you're living in rebellion against God. The problem is sin. Jesus died for your sin. You get the sin fixed. I know there are mental issues that go with it. 
I understand. There are emotional issues that go with it. But listen to this again. I, I want to say this again very carefully. Jesus didn't die for your mental and emotional issues. He died because of your sin. And your mental and emotional issues will not be fixed until you get the sin problem taken care of. Once he takes care of the sin problem, he will help you with your mental and emotional problems. But you've got to come to the place where you admit it's sin, and then there's a solution. If you don't admit it's sin, there is no solution, and it doesn't get better. It gets worse. It gets, just check the statistics. And the number of people who go down that path who end up taking their own life. Why? Because it doesn't get better. It gets worse. Because you're just running down the path, rebelling against God over and over and over and over again. And we don't like to admit that it's sin, and that way we can go on with it. So, well, we, we don't have drunks and perverts and all that in our church. And Okay, fine. There are plenty of things that church people do that we don't like to admit are sin either. Try. Amen. It's true. Stuff like pride, bitterness. Anger, gossip. Can, can I just tell you a secret? More churches have been destroyed by bitterness than by a guy who walks in in a dress. Really, a whole lot more. Why, why does that happen in churches? Well, because we don't like to admit that it's sin. Well, you know, that's just the way I see it. That's just my opinion. That's just... I, well, you better make sure it's not sin. Because if it's sin, it's going to grow and it's going to spread. And you better make sure it's not bitterness and it's not pride and it's not hatefulness. And Because those things will destroy the work of God. You don't want that to happen. You've got to come back to God and say, yes, my attitude was sinful. God, I need that fixed. And God can fix that. Amen? He'll fix it for you. They told him to leave because he was pointing out their sin, and they didn't want to admit their sin. Secondly, they told him to leave because he threatened their lifestyle. Look at verse 14. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. Their main livelihood in the whole area was built on pig farming. This was a herd of 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of pigs. That's a lot of pigs now. And we're talking Bible days in a farming society. Uh, I talked to a guy whose family was in the professional pork production business. They raise pigs to sell to slaughterhouses and all that. Thank God for people who do that. Amen. <laughs> I love bacon and sausage. and mm, Thank God for those people. But anyway, that's what their whole livelihood is built on. And I asked, I asked the guy, how big is your herd that you produce professionally and sell to these massive places? He said, we have from 14 to 1600 animals at any given time. That's now in a professional setting that's feeding thousands of people. Here in Bible days, there are 2000. That's not just one guy's little herd of pigs. That's every pig in the whole area is up there. Everybody's pigs. That's like, uh, they've just run down the hill and drowned themselves. That's like the only industry in your town. Suddenly goes upside down and everybody's laid off and there's no work. It's just gone. You see, their lifestyle was just threatened severely. But think with me for a minute now. They are on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And there's a somewhat mixed population, yet these people are still predominantly Jews. 
and they are bound by the law that says to them, they're not supposed to eat pork, they're not supposed to touch pigs, they're not supposed to be around pigs. Does that help you understand why when, when the devil said, can we go into the pigs, Jesus didn't argue with them. He said, yes, you may go into the pigs. Amen. That's right. Amen. It, it killed two birds with one stone. Amen. It got this man delivered and took care of their rebellion against God. The whole area was in rebellion already against God. It helps you understand why the devils wanted to stay in that area. Because any place people are in rebellion against God is the devil's playground. It is. And now they're all gone. And these people didn't come and say, Jesus, please tell us what to do next. They said, just go away. Just go away. You messed with our lifestyle. You know what I learned, Brother Creed? There are a lot of people who don't want to go to hell. But there are also a lot of people who don't want Jesus to mess with their lifestyle. They want to keep their lifestyle. Can I tell you a little secret? Jesus wants to mess with your lifestyle. He does. He wants to be part of everything. All the decisions, all the direction, everything going on in your life, he wants to be part of it. He wants to have his hands in all of it. He wants you to go to him about all of it and find out what he has to say. He wants to mess with your lifestyle. And when when their lifestyle was threatened, their response was just go away. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to talk about it. Here's what Matthew Henry, the, the Bible commentator, said. Being loath to quit either their sins or the swine, they chose rather to abandon the Savior. They didn't want to give up their pigs. They didn't want to give up their sin. So they just told Jesus to go away. Just like a lot of people today. A lot of people today. Number three, they told him to go away because he was forcing them to make a decision. You see, by being there, they either had to listen to what he had to say... Or reject him. And so they chose what they thought was a third option. They said, we just don't want to talk about it. Just go away. The sad truth is, though, there is no third option. You see, to not accept him is to reject him. You know John 3.16? Quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 is a wonderful verse. He that believeth on him is, uh, uh, excuse me, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Isn't that wonderful? You know what verse 18 says? He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You say, well, I just don't want to think about it. Then you're already condemned. You don't have to reject Jesus. You don't have to shake your fist in his face. You don't have to stomp on the Bible. You don't have to spit on the preacher and run out the back door. All you have to do is make it through your life without ever accepting Jesus. And you're already condemned because you haven't believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I didn't make that up. That's what your Bible says. That's a scary thought, isn't it? These people said, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. Just go away. Jesus gets in the boat and goes. Maybe you're one of those. Listen, if you've, if you've talked to very many people or handed out very many tracts or seen people and, and tried to give them the gospel, you've had somebody say to you somewhere along the line, I'm going to do that someday. Someday I'll go to church. Someday I'll get right with God. Someday I'll get saved. 
I'm going to do that. Before I die, preacher, I'm going to settle that before I die. That's good. Wonderful. We can make a deal with you. If you will tell us when you're going to die, and you've got to be pretty specific. We need, we need not just the year. We need the month, the week, the day. That's what we need. If you will tell us what that date is, can we put that on the, do you make the calendars for the church and all that? Oh, Bethany, Bethany, if we find out what day they're going to die, can we put that in the computer? And then when you print out the calendar for next year of July, whatever, it'll say, you know, Frederick's going to kick the bucket on Thursday. We can do that? Okay. It'll be in there. And, it'll, and you know what we'll do on Wednesday? If you're going you're gonna to die on Thursday, on Wednesday, the preacher and his wife, maybe even a couple other folks, come by your house with Bibles and go through the gospel with you, give you a chance to be saved. Isn't that cool? What a great deal. Amen? There's only one, one glitch in the whole system. And that is you don't know what day you're going to die. You don't have any idea. So, well, well, I was diagnosed with this and the doctor said I have three years. The doctor doesn't have any idea. You might have four. But you might have two. And you know what else can happen? Something other than what you're diagnosed with could kill you before the, that time's up. You could go out here on the road and get in an accident, and go off into eternity just like that. Wouldn't that be something? That's why the Bible says now is the accepted time. Amen. Now is the day of salvation, Amen. not tomorrow, because God didn't give you tomorrow, right. but he gave you today. And if you tell Jesus to go away today, what if something happens tonight? That's too big of a risk. Far too big of a risk, because you're messing with all of eternity. When you take that gamble, that is most certainly not worth it. And they said, we don't, we don't want to think about it. We just want him to go away. And he got in the boat, and he left. Don't tell him to go away. The man who's delivered, he wanted to go with Jesus. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? He said, I don't want to stay here anymore. I want to go with you. And Jesus said, nope, you can't go. i got a job for you. I want you to go home. And tell everybody what God did for you today. And the Bible tells us not only did he go home, he then went throughout the whole area of Decapolis, everywhere on that side of the Sea of Galilee, and told everybody. Can you imagine? This guy's coming through town, and you know his reputation. You know who he was, and you know the story of his life. And, and they'd say, aren't, weren't you the, aren't you the crazy guy? And he'd say, well, that, yep, that's what I was. And then, you'll never believe it, I met this guy called Jesus. And he transformed everything. You need to know Jesus. I promise you, when you get to heaven, there are going to be some people from an area called Decapolis who are there because they met this man. This man pointed them to Jesus, and they decided to follow Jesus. You know what else you're going to find a million years from now? Some people who were right there on the sand of the seashore looking Jesus right in the eye who went to hell, and they're still there today, and they will be forever. Because when Jesus was standing there, they said, you need to go away. And he went. How sad is that? You know, you can walk out the door in a minute. And you'll walk out that door either having at some point in your life trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Or else telling him yet again to go away. Be careful. You don't know how many more opportunities you have. When Jesus is standing right there, the best thing you can do is accept him right then and there. 
not to wait and say, oh, I'll do it at Christmas. I'm coming back at Christmas. I'll, I'll do that at Christmas. No, you, no, no, too far away. You better do it while you have the opportunity, while he's standing right there, inviting you to trust him. Same person, don't tell Jesus to get out of your life either. I've met, I've met saved folks. They're saved, they're on their way to heaven, and yet they've, they've taken areas of their life and said, Jesus, get out of that one and that one and that one. I'm going to take that for myself. That's a dumb thing to do. Don't, don't tell him to go away. Tell him to get in there and stay. He wants to be part of your life. Don't keep him out of all those areas. Let him in. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. Lord, thank you for the story of this man who was such a horrendous mess. And yet Jesus changed everything. Lord, there are some stories, no doubt, from people in this room who were an awful mess. And then they met Jesus and everything changed. God, I pray that if there's somebody here without Christ today, that they'd get saved before it's too late. For each and every saved person, God, I pray that we would... We would not tell you to go away out of different areas of our life, but we'd ask you to stay. We'll be careful to give you all the honor and glory for what you do in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen. Preacher. Remaining with our heads bowed and our eyes closed in just, just a moment, if you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, say amen. 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 And uh, if you do not, today's the day to accept him. I sat there as he spoke about the lifestyle. This probably this probably didn't happen to you, but the Holy Spirit just sort of a light came on, and the Holy Spirit said, "What in your lifestyle needs to go? What what lifestyle part of your lifestyle causes you to be, be, choose between being at church and not?" What, what in your lifestyle takes you away from the best to settle for second best? Well, we have the hobbies and we have the activities. Do we have the right, are we at the right place of employment? Are, are we, are, I mean, are we, are we in step with God in our lifestyle? We always have things to do. Would you would you take a moment? Let God speak to your heart. If God spoke to your heart and moved on your heart, take time to come to the altar as a piano plays. You come.
you to give us a highlight of the prayer list. Give me a couple ushers here. Help me out. Help me out, guys. There we go. Well, you figured that out real quick. This is love offering for the uh, for the Rogers. Um, uh, we we really can't put a dollar amount on what how God uses them when they come. Uh, they're sort of special, and um, uh, so we we really need to dig deep and give a good love offering. If you can't this morning, do it tonight. But we want to be a blessing to these folks. They go to churches double and triple the size of our churches and and they don't they don't consider people the same way we do here at faith independent god has blessed us here because our faithfulness and other reasons but he's blessed us because we treat the servants of god that minister to us amen the best we can and uh you have been a part of that so let's do that once again Amen. Let's pray. Brother Frank, pray for the offering. Lord God, just uh, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the graciousness of all the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, it is a privilege to come before your throne because of the bloodshed of Jesus. Lord, just pray for the Rogers. Just pray you'd meet their every need, Father God. And just pray for the church, Lord God, that we just need more and more Jesus, Father God. And uh, Lord, we, we, we just pray that... Uh, we would never say no to you, Jesus, and always yes. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Here you go. All right, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Let's continue to pray for our um, bereaved families, the recent bereaved families uh, who are uh, grieving over lost loved ones. Let's pray especially for the Prasad family. We're coming up, uh, I believe tomorrow is a year anniversary I don't know if you want to call it an anniversary. A year, it marks a year since Brother Ian was taken from us. So be praying, praying for uh, their family. I know they're going to they're kind of reliving everything again. So be praying for God to strengthen and, and comfort them uh, as they're as they're uh, as they're grieving. Pray for our uh, individual individual requests, our unspoken requests. All the folks that have unspoken requests. Uh, be praying for them and lifting those up to the Lord that God would answer them according to per- his perfect will. And his pastor said, praise the Lord, Sister Bean is back with us. Amen. Good to see her. Um, be praying for Brother Ayuk uh, as he has decisions to be made about his career, about what, what he's going to be doing, what God has, wants him to do. Um, just be praying that God will open the door and show him uh, what he has in mind for him. Uh, Continue to pray for uh, Sister Kathy DeGenero as she gets her skin graft uh, on her leg from the coffee spill. Amen. From the biopsy, yeah. Okay, well, amen. So be, be lifting her up that God, she would continue to heal. And pray for uh, Sister Sharita's um, uh, friend, Anita, Juanita. It's in PT for a pulled ligament, and she might have to have surgery. So be lifting her up that God would heal her. And continue to pray for uh, Brother Cornelius' uh, mom, who is recovering from a stroke. And praise the Lord, she's doing better. So be 
keep praying for her and pray for Brother Frank's health. He was he was uh, out last week. We just continue to pray for him. It's good to see you, brother. You feeling better? Amen. Amen. And how's your son? What's what's going on with? Amen. Yeah, that's that's youth, right? Right. He does. Amen. Amen. That's that's right. Uh, so we continue to pray for him. Pray for um, Sister Hazel's health, and pray for uh, uh, pray she struggles with the loss of her sister, and pray um, for Miss Mona. She's taking care of her mom, her strength and wisdom as she as she works a job and takes care of her mom. Also pray for all the folks we haven't seen here in church in a while. And be reach, reaching out to them if you, you think think of it. Uh, we'll see how they're doing and to, to get them get them back here. Um, pray for the Kearneys. Uh, Pastor, have you heard anything from Brother Kearney? Um, he worked on helping a, a had somebody pass away, and uh, he had to work through that with them, and so he's helped them. Uh, he's also. Uh, got the brick machine back together, got all that stuff back, ready to go. He's got Amen. a security guard. Um, the uh, He has not been able to build because the Muslim, the, 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 the mosque next door, the guy that runs the mosque, sent a letter that he, he wasn't, a, wasn't for them building. And he's the same guy that did not have permits when he built so we talked about some ways to go to, to sort of kind of put the screws. Of course, over there in Ghana, Abina knows about this. You don't you don't shame people or do things over there. Really, you don't. It's it's different from America, and so you know if you give them a bunch of money, you can get away with anything. So uh-huh. especially those those people in in. Uh, but the 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 Muslims over there are pretty strong in this. They don't they they feel like that's property where we're. Fred is where they have one of other churches. Their is their property. I mean, they're just they're just they're just wow. and so uh, just pray for that. Pray for that and uh, continue to pray for God's wider need. Amen. Pray for Brother Miss Keys. Pray for their health and and pray for their uh, friend um, uh, that uh, friends uh, Tom and Alan Doherty. Pray for their salvation that they get saved. Pray for uh, Pam Dove Seaton as she's in Nashville waiting for a heart transplant. Any word from her? Or is she... She's there. Okay. Pray. She hasn't had it. Yeah. Pray for uh, Pastor's health and wisdom in preparation for sermons podcast. Pray for his plans for growing ministry and pray for Miss Creed's health and uh, strength. And pray for um, their her uh, Miss Creed's. Uh, nephew Sawyer, that's, that's your nephew, right? Who has re-injured his knee? So be praying that that God would heal him. Wow. Well, we'll be lifting him up in prayer. 
Pray for our general requests, our mission commitments, our nation, our nation's leaders, uh, that those that are saved will live for the Lord and make good decisions, and those that aren't will get saved. Pray for our uh, church, church family. I pray for our bus ministry, our, our um, Sunday school, our folks recently saved, uh, the discipleship program, our church planning, as Pastor was saying, that uh, God would open the door that we could uh, plant a church in the area. Pray for um, our uh, next outreach Sunday, next next Sunday, uh, November 5th at 3.30. So it's an hour earlier. So I hope I get a lot of people out there. And pray for our preacher's camp coming up on uh, January 8th to the 12th, 2024, that uh, God will send men for that. And pray for our sister churches around the country and world, lost loved ones, pastors, churches without pastors, um, our first responders, military, our nurses, doctors, and all the nation's kids, especially the ones in public school and, and uh, the Nigerian political situation, and pray for Tabernacle Baptist that they, <laughs> they got somebody in there that, that really uh, the church might be going in a different direction. That's not good. So be praying for that God to work in that situation. And um, any any additional requests or updates? Anybody have anything? Clarence Sexton, Dr. Clarence Sexton, he was bitten by a brown recluse spider. He's wow. in he's in rehab. He's not getting any better. That's a problem. Mm. Ulett is having his voice box taken out. So he's preaching his last message at his church, and then he'll probably get a voice box that that will help with that. Mm. Also, uh, talking to Jason Mead, Jason Mead, he's at Memorial Baptist Church in Brooklyn. Um, pray for them as they still try to stabilize their building. It's, it's millions and millions of dollars that they have to take people to court for. Uh, but he called me and shared with me of three churches in the New York City area without pastors. And wow. So pray, pray, pray for that. And also continue to pray for preacher's camp. Uh, we're getting to the place where we, we have to get some things in, in, in motion and get and, and really work for people to sign up. And so pray for that as, 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 as time draws near for that. <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. Oh, wow. Be lifting him up. He still he needs to be saved as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Hey, Darian, him. who's that fellow that was in the hospital? He's out right now. They just came home. They didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Preston. Be lifting him up in prayer. Uh, okay. You say Emily McQueen? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Your best friend's mom. Amen. We'll be praying for her. When's the surgery? Wednesday. Okay. All right. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. 
Amen. 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 Anyone else have anything? I'd like to ask the church to pray for my sister, stepsister. Uh, her name is Diane Molar. She um, she needs to be saved, but her and her husband is like 86, 87 years old. They're, they live in California, and he's he's on dialysis, and there's going to come a time when he can't have dialysis anymore. It's coming close. And also, her mom is out there with them. And she is uh, um, living out there, and she's got dementia, and she's in a real bad way. She's just getting worse, and she kind of fights Diane. Diane's trying to take care of her. And uh, just just be lifting her up. She's really going through a lot. And pray pray for um, pray for Brother Joe Goodman. He's having uh, uh, vehicle problems. That's why he's not here this morning, I guess. He, he uh, He's having problems with his car, so be praying that uh, he'd get that squared away. Anybody else have anything? No? Brother, would you like to stand? No, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your friends? We will lift your friends up in prayer that they get saved. And we're, we're sure happy that you're saved. Amen. Amen. You, can, you can make sure your salvation. All right. Brother, thank you. Remember that they are they from here for me and the first member that started from uh, you know the way walk and talk and uh then they they asked me to call about about some seconds ago and I said pray and I said uh, I love them here and uh, my brother Jesus Christ uh, that word and and they just got uh, Carol Clark got his uh baptism and I just want to say thank you so much. Amen. 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 Great message this morning. Amen. Let's stand to be dismissed and uh, get with Brother Mark. Now, we, we need to be back here. If you're going to sing, to get ready about 5 o'clock. We start at 6, but if you're going to sing, get with him. Make sure he knows if Marissa's going to play for you. Okay, I think Marissa and Darian ought to sing a duet tonight. And then uh, Horatio and... And, 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 and oh, Archie, Archie, no, no Millie but Navillian, Baptist. But uh, Archie and Horatio can do the doo-wop, okay? Amen, amen. Good to see you. Let's close in prayer. Pete, close for us.
Amen. God bless you.